0: the power 40 podcast is an uplifting faith-based podcast that speaks to all that's going on in our world our goal is to share inspirational real life stories and experiences from notable guests around the country on matters that touch us all the number 40 also symbolizes a period of testing trial or probation and we all experience trying times in our lives but it's what comes from these times that make us who we are and as we depict periods of people's lives where 40 has played out we learn the goodness that comes from perseverance determination In Belief, I'm your host, Annika Tramberg, joined today by Shannon McNamara, founder of Share in Africa, a nonprofit that provides school supplies, desks, uniforms, and after school study programs to support girls' literacy in Africa, improve failing infrastructure at the schools, and has been a very important mission for Shannon. So thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So you started this at a young age. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I I started sharing Africa when I was 15. And it's definitely grown up kind of like me. And I think the missions kind of changed over the years. And, um, you know, with any nonprofit or any business, I feel like you kind of don't want it to be the same as when you first started, because you wanted to have learned things. But yeah, I started, Sharon Africa was born out of my Girl Scout Gold Award project, which a lot of people don't know about. They know of the Boy Scouts Eagle Scout project. Mm-hmm. And then the Girl Scouts have a similar thing called the Gold Award project, where you have to do over 100 hours of community service, and you have to make an impact in a community. And I kind of petitioned to have my community be the community of Bukoba, Tanzania, where my family and I were going uh, for a summer trip. And you know, they, they were able to move the community. So instead the project took place in Bukoba and it kind of turned into, it got bigger and bigger each year until it became a 501c3 nonprofit. And yeah, we've been traveling there and working on it for 13 years now.
0: Wow. Did you ever think when you were that 15 year old girl that it would be what it is now?
1: No, I think at 15, I thought I was going to marry Nick Jonas. So <laughs> things have
0: definitely changed That's a lot. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny! I think that was every fifteen-year-old girl's dream. So yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Um, so that's also really neat. You said that it started as like a family trip to Tanzania. I mean, yeah. what, that's unusual too in itself because I feel like people are like, "Oh, yeah, our family trip to Florida." But how did how is your family dynamic? Have, have they always enjoyed overseas travel, or what? how did you get to Tanzania?
1: Yeah, we've definitely traveled a lot as a family. We lived in Ireland and New Zealand when I was growing up. um, And we were just huge into travel, but I really have my parents to thank for kind of my mentality on seeing the world because after doing enough family vacations, my parents found themselves kind of frustrated by just falling into these tourism traps and not really seeing what was truly going on in a community. And they were also very big. I feel like people nowadays would call it privilege, but when we were growing up, my parents called it the birth lottery. And they would just say to us, you know, you're just lucky. Like, you're just lucky that you were born to this family or in this community, yeah. or you have this lifestyle, like any of those places you see on TV, you could have been born there and that would have been your life. And it's just luck. So if you win the birth lottery and you do well in it, then you have that responsibility to give back. So we started doing, um volunteer vacations. And instead of, you know, going on cruises or going to Europe, we would travel to Peru, Costa Rica, all of these places, and just spend a month or so volunteering in a community with some of these, you know, there's different organizations where you can kind of slot in and volunteer your time for a month. And Tanzania was one of the places that we were going to in 2008. And because I had this idea of working on the Gold Award project, I was in email communication with people down there saying, what are the needs of the community? This is how long we're going to be there for. How can we deliver some sort of impact knowing that we're not going to be there for a long time? And they told us about books. So we brought down 500 pounds of books and all of these boxes. And we thought, OK, we can help to set up a library. And our whole first year, we thought maybe it'll be a library program because there's a need for books hmm That's, that's really neat. And
0: also neat because you, yeah, 15 years old, like you needed books and school supplies and stuff like that. So helping someone who also is in that same situation, but doesn't have those things. I mean, that just really speaks volumes to who you are as a person too.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I, I think it also spoke a lot of volumes to, um, you know, every teenager is very self-absorbed. Right. And right. you think like the world is so hard for you and, um, with each trip, you know, your, your perspective changes anytime you get a new experience or you experience something different from your norm. And, um, each time we leave our experience with Tanzania, I have such a deeper respect for education and things like that, which I think here in the States, we kind of treat education as this punishment. There's such a trope of like, I don't want to go to school. I hate Monday mornings. And, seeing education in other places be viewed as something where you're lucky to have it. And it's a privilege. Right. It really makes you, you know, go back after school that summer and be like, Oh my God, like, what was I thinking? I'm lucky to be here. That's how I should be viewing it.
0: That's so true. It's such a good message for anyone in school. I mean, I think of my nephews, they're like, I'm going to have a sick day because I don't feel like yes. going into
1: school today.
0: And it's like, it's just so different in in other cultures, but well,
1: the difference of that is like one of the things that we've done over the years is there's a company that works to create menstrual pads out of banana leaves in Tanzania, and we've worked with them because one of the things is um if a girl's on her period in Bukoba, she doesn't go to school because she's menstruating. So that's something where like here in the states, oh you know try to get out of school by faking sick. Mm-hmm. In other places in the world, it's like damn it, like I have my period. Pu- oh, sorry, I'll do that. <laughs> but it's like it's like oh darn, you know I have my yeah. period. I can't go to school so it's just a very different concept yeah
0: yeah such simple things that we just take for granted or don't realize um but I mean going back to books and all of this stuff you have done quite a bit like supplying nine school libraries with 33,000 books that's incredible I mean, how do you even collect that many books to share
1: It was really a group effort. Um, So many people uh, cared about this cause when we were talking about it. And obviously we've been doing it for such a long time, over 13 years at this point. And um, I just really find that there's so many people, I think... Nowadays, so many people want to volunteer, but they don't know how to do it with their nine to five work schedule. They don't know how they can get started. So when you hear of the idea of donating books, everybody's got extra books. Everybody has extra clothes or canned food or things like that. So we were just really lucky that our community was super eager to get engaged and we would hold book drives and all of my friends from the cross country team, we would pack it up together. Uh, So it was a massive group effort. That's awesome. And And you have a scholarship program,
0: correct, also with Share in Africa?
1: Yeah. So over the years, we kind of tried to figure, you know, a nonprofit is a nonprofit, but you do have Mm -hmm. to run it like a business. So we were kind of thinking, how do we get the best bang for our buck, a.k.a. We want to make sure that these donations are being put to really good use. And every single donation that Share in Africa gets goes completely into the program. We rely on other funding for our trips or anything like that. So what we decided to do is kind of pivot the program from books and after-school reading programs to scholarships. So we found this school, it's called Hakima in Bukoba, and it's an all-girls secondary school, and it's run by nuns. And it's incredible because it's all girls, which is the main focus of our program. And also it's a boarding school, which means that you don't have to, you know, convince uh, parents, hey, can we use your daughter for an extra Extra hour after school for a reading program or extra education. So instead, we've worked on providing scholarships to this incredible school. And if a girl is in that school and let's say her parents, this happens a lot, will pass away or don't have the money to continue her third or fourth year of school, we'll step in and fill the rest of that scholarship out. So it's just been a really impactful way to, to use the donations because there's all of these statistics around the longer you keep a girl in secondary school it just massively improves her future. It means that she's going to get married later. It means that she's going to have fewer children. It means that she's going to focus more on her children's education. Um, She's going to be healthier. And it's really this massive ripple effect of educating girls in developing countries that it's just like a solution that fixes so many things. So that's why we really wanted to invest in secondary school education for these girls.
0: So talk a little bit more about, is there... Is there a, a large gap between young girls and young men's uh, resources in school and just in general in Africa?
1: Definitely. Um, I can't speak for all of Africa since we focus in Tanzania, but definitely there. It's it's this huge cultural shift of if you only have enough money for one child to go to school, it's not going to be the smartest, which you know would be a hard test to gauge, but it's always going to be the son. It's always going to be the male student. If you need someone to come home early, or if you need someone on the weekends to help out around the house, it's always going to be the girl time and time again. So that was something that we found really frustrating. And even when in the first few years of this program, we would have the after-school reading program for girls. So many people were really upset that this wasn't for boys, even though boys had every other advantage, you know, culturally, academically than the girls did.
0: That's really interesting. Do you feel that there are any like similarities in the States and what you see down there in that
1: regard? Yeah. I mean, I think that just throughout history, I think if you have years and years of um, boys being treated as leaders or, you know, even in politics, right, you just see that there's probably even in, even in the most progressive countries and States, there's probably still going to be like a 70, 30 split when it comes to men and women.
0: I feel too, especially when you look at that younger generation of like young women and young men growing up, not only do these young girls have the pressures of school and, and all of that learning and all those things, but it's also like young girls are expected to look nice and, you know, learn about makeup. And then they also deal with like their menstrual cycles and all those things like are all added stressors. I feel like that are not really talked about or focused on, but it's it's so much more than just kind of-
1: And it gets added on.
0: I'm I'm a woman,
1: so maybe that's- Yeah, what I, yeah but, but it, it gets on uh, afterwards too, right? So like you have that in school, you have that in the workplace. And then once you become a parent, mm-hmm. even with, I feel like the most like feminist husband, Just societally, we've been told, well, you know, taking care of kids is a woman's job. Um, Cooking, cleaning, like that's a woman's job. It's just so many ideas that are ingrained into us. And I feel like you do have women carrying the load just like so much more for uh, all of these activities.
0: And especially in today's society where it is really like looked really greatly upon, I feel like, which it is really wonderful that women can have careers, but it's, it's almost more difficult if a woman also has a career. It's not like their other, their home duties are less
1: than they still have yeah. them on
0: top of it. So it's just more.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice if like you work <laughs> an extra hour and then all of a sudden your legs shave themselves and it's like, yeah. no, it doesn't work that way. Like you still have to do it all. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Well, what's one lesson
0: your nonprofit organization has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life?
1: Uh, I think the main lesson that it's taught me is just that I I don't know anything, and we all don't, and you have to ask other people. And I think this is something that happens a lot with people with nonprofits. I think that there's a lot of people who have a great um, intention, and they really want to help. And this was me definitely at the beginning of our nonprofit, and we... We had to get to know our community that we wanted to help. And if anything, the community takes the lead. You know, we ask folks at Hakima, what can we do to help you? We ask folks at Bukoba, how do we best help you? Because I think that there's a lot of nonprofits where they say, um, and I've read all of these books. I had this great minor in college that focused on poverty, justice, and human capabilities. There's these horrible stories of a nonprofit thinks that they're doing good it's hard for a girl to get to school. So they give her a bike and then they leave and never come back. And that aunt takes the bike and sells it because what they really need is money. And now, great, that girl still doesn't have a way to go to school. So I think that was something where the first couple of years we were there, we thought, you know, why not a library? But then you don't think, well, we need a librarian. turns out you need a security guard because the books are getting stolen. You need to put security um, measures around this library. And then- Once you start getting to know these people more and building relationships, you kind of think, okay, well, you know, I can trust you and you know these students really well. So let's work together. You tell me what you need. And I think that's been the main learning experience over the past 13 years is just finding and partnering with people that you can trust and learning for them. Because even if you have the best intention, you might not have the best idea. I think the best ideas come when everybody works on it together.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Especially you know, speaking with the people that are directly affected by all these things, they obviously know the needs that um, are there. So, yeah, I think when there's community and collaborative uh, thinking put together, it's always better than one person, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What do you enjoy most about speaking to others, just about the mission of Share in Africa?
1: I think what I really enjoy is just talking more about uh, that idea of. uh, female education. And I think it's just so, so important. And, um, you know, education, I really think is kind of like the bandaid solution for everything. I think like you could take a look at every problem and education will always be the solution for it. Like nobody's ever going to say we've had too much education, like it's causing bad things. Um, But there's something very specifically when you look at the facts and the data around female education, especially past primary school, Mm -hmm. So that would be like our idea of elementary, middle school, having girls get that high school, you know, secondary school education in developing countries. It just does miracles for the community. And it has such a benefit. And I think it's a really important cause to focus on because I'm a huge fan of these multi-pronged solutions. So, for example, how um, let's say eating less red meat, not only is it better for the environment, but it's also better for your cholesterol and it's also better for the animals. So it's one thing with a variety of different solutions. And I think having girls go to secondary school and complete all four years of it has the same number of solutions from just like one action, which is incredible.
0: Yeah, that's a, a great way to put it. I like that. Um, just as we close out today and just reflect on the power 40 in our lives, maybe Charles, we're going through or. Or other people are going through or overcome. I think we understand that there's always going to be good experiences and bad experiences that life throws our way. And 40 is also significant in regards to time, like Jesus spending 40 days fasting in the wilderness. And I have to ask you, Shannon, if you had just 40 minutes to impact the world, where would you start and what would you say?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I think you've said
0: a lot of impactful things so far, but (laughs) you had to sum it up in 40 minutes.
1: If I had 40, if this is like, if I have 40 minutes on a weekend, what would I do? Anytime. And it
0: could be any audience just to impact the world in a positive way.
1: Yeah. Where okay. So I guess, that? I guess if I had for and let me know if I'm answering this correctly, if I had 40 minutes and I wanted to make an impactful decision, I would probably look for um, local volunteering opportunities. I would probably spend 40 minutes researching that. I I find that once you volunteer just for like, if you have, you know, 20 minutes to give a week and you do something every 20 minutes in person with a group, I think that it makes you feel so good. I'm a huge advocate for volunteering. I think if you move somewhere new, I, there's a lot of girls I talk to who after they graduate, they're like, I, I lost my community. Like I'm not in college anymore. Volunteering is a great way to feel like you have a community to help people, to make new friends. Once again, it's one of those like one action, but a host of great solutions like come from it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would just, I could not advocate more for researching and trying to find a volunteer activity that you're going to go to consistently once a week.
0: Yeah. And if one person does it, it's like a ripple effect, right? It, If one person does it in every single state, if one person does it, um, it just grows and grows and grows. So yeah, I love that. And I've done volunteering in my life and it, is so much more rewarding than you think. Um, so it's not even just the act of doing something nice for someone. It's actually super rewarding in return and it just gives you a positive energy and I feel like it feels so good. So I, I think that's a great way to spend that 40 minutes
1: oh sometimes if I'm just down I'll just go volunteering because I know it makes me feel really pepped up afterwards and you walk home like I did like a I like did such a good thing today so that you could even do it for a selfish reason it doesn't matter it does make you feel good
0: Yeah. yeah well thank you so much for joining me today Shannon I loved hearing about your resilience and drive to make a difference in the world especially at such a young age and just continuing to do that good work where can people um find share in Africa, or, uh, I don't know if there's ways maybe they can donate or just learn more.
1: Yeah. Everything's on our website, share And you can also, of course, we're on Instagram at share Africa.
0: Awesome. Well, for more information on the power 40 podcast, visit power of com. also stream wherever you prefer streaming.